Today on Recur Now, we're recovering from a big old weekend of sports while also building something that people want. Plus, Apple hires a Netflix pro in a bid to boost its subscription services. And finally, subscription booze. It is a happy Monday. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it's February the 3rd, a beautiful day to subscribe. Up first, your news. Build something people really want. It's sage advice, but how in the world do you actually get there? We are eyeing a tweet from four-time founder Caitlin Borgoyne that addresses just this. Telling founders simply to build something people want is at best unhelpful, she writes, and at worst, condescending. Because she knows founders are trying, and they're trying hard. Of course, they want to build great products. But Let's stop spouting platitudes and start giving more actionable guidance, she pleads. And you know who else has resonated with this? Who's that? Transistor.fm co-founder Justin Jackson. He sends out a weekly newsletter on stuff like this, and we're especially on board with this one's sentiment. So here's his attempt at practical advice on how to build something people want. First, he says you need to establish your target market. Even a small bootstrapped company needs hundreds of customers. Actually, most will need thousands. So how do you get there? Let's say you want 1,000 customers. If your trial to paid conversion rate is 40%, you'll need 2,500 trials. If your visitor to trial conversion rate is 1%, you'll need 250,000 visitors. Secondly, figure out what they want. Be in the community, help and serve, solve your own problems and see how the community responds. And next up, build that killer solution. The potential in your product is determined early on by one, the market you choose. How easy are they to reach? Do they actually pay for things? Two, the customer desire you discover. How strong is it? And three, the product you build. Does it satisfy that desire? To build a killer product, you need to provide outcomes like eliminating an obstacle, giving progress, removing future threats, and generating all around good feelings. And finally, inform the people. Generate awareness, remove barriers to entry. Show people that their lives will be better by utilizing your product. We'll link to Justin's newsletter in today's subscriber rundown because there's a lot more here than meets the ear. Check it out for yourself to begin understanding those actionables and start putting them into action. And now, Grace on Apple's latest move. Apple makes a move that directly reflects its push to expand the new TV Plus streaming business in hiring one of Netflix's former engineers. The importance of engineering behind new streaming services was spotlighted when Walt Disney's flagship streaming service struggled with technical glitches as it racked up 10 million subscribers the day of its debut. And Apple's Tim Cook says Apple will judge the success of its TV Plus by how many subscribers it collects. He says that's why Apple was aggressive with its pricing, which undercut Disney by $2, and bundled the service free of charge with the purchase of a new iPhone, iPad, or Mac. But as we've seen before, focusing on the competition can be an interesting play. You never want to do anything that sacrifices product quality, and the data suggests that these companies who are focused on competition presumably are good at lowering their customer acquisition cost, but not so great at defending their net promoter score. Another possible outcome here is that these companies just aren't disciplined enough to focus on competition in the right places and they ignore the competition in other places. So as always, our eyes are constantly peeled at the status of streaming battles. So with that, best of luck to you all. And we wrap with an aperitif. 
Subscription direct-to-consumer company House raises $4.5 million for recurring libations. Members across the U.S. can now sign up for a monthly shipment of either six bottles per month for $144, two bottles monthly for $63, or one for $35, which is done entirely in transparency, featuring ingredients and nutrition facts. The genesis for House came from the married founder's idea to create a transparent alcohol brand. Their edge, the two identified a loophole that allows distributors to ship alcohol directly to the consumer if the product is made mostly from grapes and is under 24% alcohol, allowing House to collect user data that big alcohol companies just don't have. A leg up from the rest and we're thinking House is going places, simultaneously allowing you to stay at home. And that's a wrap on your February 3rd subscription news. Up next, a subscription sapiens segment featuring Teen Zuo, the original subscription savant. Today's subscription sapien is Teen Zoo, who, as the founder of Zora, has given hundreds of other entrepreneurs the tools to manage their own subscription-based businesses. Zoo may be a veteran of the SaaS space, being one of the first employees at Salesforce and remaining there for nine years, but he is not afraid to be radical. He and his team would go to crazy lengths to get customers and mindshare in those early days, from putting sales reps in taxis with their competitors' potential clients to protesting the Apple iPad. Zoo believes that instead of building a product and finding customers, you should identify your user base and build a product around them. You have to think about things backwards, right? You have to think about things in, 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 in the reverse of what the conventional wisdom is. And so the conventional wisdom might be you create a product and then you go find customers. I don't think it works like that, not in the early days. I think you start with a customer and you say, there's a set of customers that have a pain point, and I actually know who they are. And you can even test the idea. And so, um, you know, before we actually launched the product at Salesforce, we probably had about 200 people that were already signed up to, to, to join the beta when, if and when we released it. And uh, Azura, we had a signed customer contract I think it was for uh, about $50,000 a year. And the contract was written to say, y you obviously don't owe us any money until we deliver the product. But we had built a prototype yet, but we hadn't actually created the product. And, and so, um, and so there's, there's, there's a certainty that you can go into the exercise with if you can start from the customer and understand what the demand is. As one of the earliest adopters of the subscription model, Zoo has a wealth of knowledge. So it's no surprise that he literally wrote the book on subscription. In his book titled Subscribed, he evaluates subscription past, present, and future. With all kinds of companies incorporating subscription into their business, the pricing model may seem like a no-brainer, but this was not always the case. Zoo was integral in showing the bigwigs on Wall Street the subscription way. There's a new business model that invalidates the existing incumbents, Oracle, SAP, ERP systems. And so it gives us a chance to build something brand new. That being said, if it really is something new, then you have to spend a lot of time, right, you know, evangelizing it, but, but explaining to the world why the new thing is the new thing. And it takes time. And, and I remember the first time we convinced um, folks about a subscription-based business model, we came up with the term subscription economy in 2008, and it didn't work, right? We actually said, this is not working. Let's not use this term anymore, right? So we stopped using it. 
we tried like business cloud, we tried all these other things. And then in, you know, in 2009, I, I think uh, maybe like Netflix started truly transforming the subscriptions. And so we dusted off the term subscription economy, tried it again. And this time it, it, it really stuck. And, and so you, you need to try things. Same thing with investors. In, in 2004, when Salesforce went public, we had a hard time getting investors to, uh, to understand uh, the business model. I mean, they looked at it and they're like, you're losing money, you're gonna lose money forever, right? Why would I wanna invest in you? I don't understand why Oracle and SAP can't just take you guys out. And so, so Salesforce was not a runaway success um, in the initial years. It took like NetSuite, SuccessFactors, and a bunch of other SaaS companies to go public before people realized, okay, well maybe, maybe this, is, this is going to be real. Just one of the ways subscription has flipped conventional business knowledge on its head is that it's all about the user. Understanding your users is crucial to building success, which is at the cornerstone of Zora's strategy and trickles down to all the businesses they help and their users in turn. How do I develop a picture of a customer? Right? How much have they purchased from me in the past? And, and what are they doing with my application? Right? If you're a product company, start putting sensors in your product, start collecting that information, but tie all that information back to that customer record, back to that, we call it a subscriber identity record. And then look at it. And then you have fundamentally three questions. You know, is your growth in the future going to come from acquiring more customers? Right. And how are you going to do that? Right. And then you do that with services. I'm going to go down market. I'm going to go international market. Or is your revenue going to come from increasing the revenues per customer, which means you need to cross sell, upsell, redefine your bundles and so on and so forth. Or is your revenue going to come from reducing churn? We were talking to a gaming company. And they said, you know, we sell a lot of games. And when we come up with a new game, we know we can sell a million copies of the game. And people will pay us $60 for that game. And then two years later, we'll come up with the next version, right? Before it was version 10, now it's version 11. And we know that only 50% of our customers that bought that game, you know, the old version two years ago, will buy the new version, 50%. And so to a subscription company, that's 50% of your customers churning over two years. And then what the CEO said is, you know, if you take that $60 and we take it over time, right? We take it over two years, but we're forced to keep the customer engaged, right? They're not playing the game for two weeks and they forget about it, right? We're gonna keep them engaged. We're gonna keep them coming back. We're gonna create new versions. We're gonna create light versions for their phone, right? Whatever it happens to be. And we keep them engaged with the brand. We know that we can hold on to a lot more than 50% of our customers over that two year period. And that's a much healthier business. This is how companies need to think. Start with the customer. How do you hold on to the customers? Don't worry about taking all the revenue up front for a product sale, but how do you get them engaged with you over and over again over a period of time? And then how do you wrap your revenue model, right, to be reflected, to reflect the value that they're getting from that engagement, that experience with you, right? That's the starting point. Now, yes, there's huge implications on how you price, right, how you design your products, how you go to market, Right. But, but start with that, because that would inform all the other decisions that you need inside your company. If you enjoyed this snippet into the subscription sapien, share this and make sure you're subscribed to Recur Now to receive them straight to your inbox. And finally, a teaser for Protect the Hustle, because soon we have all fresh episodes coming your way. From ProfitWell Recur, it's Protect the Hustle, 
a show about those who are in the trenches actually doing the work. What is hustle? The word hustle dates back to the 1680s from the Dutch word huslen, which means to shake or to toss. The very core of the word is around shaking up and pushing forward, which is why plenty of the dictionary definitions have some derivation of movement or energy. As Queen Miriam Webster quips, hustle is to obtain by energetic activity. The core of hustle was around changing your environment and shaking things up to produce large scale action. Sometimes that was very positive, pulling yourself up from your bootstraps or running that extra sprint in practice. But other times it was more negative, pool hall hustling or slinging rock. Hustle was initiative and not accepting your circumstances and doing everything in your power to change. Hip hop embraced this throughout the 90s and the aughts because a lot of circumstances in black communities need to be shaken up to push out of poverty by any means necessary. The negative externality of that though was because of circumstances, a lot of times this meant selling drugs or doing illegal activities because there just wasn't another option. But it's important to remember that hustle wasn't negative. It wasn't bad intent. Hustle was that movement of changing circumstance and environment to get to the point where you could go legit. Even in Jay-Z's 90s classics, Can't Knock the Hustle and Rap Game, Crack Game, hustle was the means of taking on challenges to garner wealth and actually hustle out of the illegal means into the legal ones. Johnny and Jane's startups embraced this concept of hustle because it meant shoe leather and elbow grease, getting there before anyone else did and going that extra mile to get the deal done. But then hustle changed. Hustle became more gratuitous. In the late aughts, songs like Rick Ross's Hustlin' started to stop talking about the velocity of hustle and just the movement of cash from one place to another. Now it was money for money's sake, not to move out of circumstance, but for cash and cars and just more cash and more cars. Startups started latching onto this word as the gratuitous image of crushing it and tweeting out unnecessary vocalizations of superficial feelings of accomplishment. Hustle lost its edge. The context changed completely and hustle became negative because we associated it with not great things and not great people. But the thing is though, hustle still means hustle. Hustle is a beacon to changing your own personal circumstances and destroying the demons that haunt you and try to prevent you from doing that one extra call, that one extra rep or whatever it takes. Those who protect the hustle define hustle and that's what we're all about at ProfitWell, keeping that velocity to rage against the dying of things that we find important. And to do our part to the greater hustle community, we're bringing you season two of Protect the Hustle. Stories in the trenches from the people doing the actual work and protecting everything that hustle stands for. So sign up at protectthehustle.com and sit back relax, and take notes. And that's it for your February 3rd episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow for more, and don't hesitate to reach out to me at abby at recurnow.com if you have news to spread or input on any topic we hit. This has been a Recur Studios production, the fastest growing subscription network out there. If you find use for this show, subscribe for more like it at profitwell.com slash recur. Recur.